Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of the Master Instructor Roundtable. I'm Regional Master Instructor Marty Miller here with my dear friend, fellow Regional Master Instructor, Miss Wendy Batts. How's it going today, Wendy? It is good, Marty. How are you? Great. Um, new place, right? So it's like, guess where Marty is? I am in Chicago, of all places, in the United Center. So put me around athletes, put me around athletic population. It worked perfect for today's topic of sled pushes. Yes. Yeah, so you're kind of like, well, like, where's Waldo? Is that right. how that is? <laughs> right. I'm usually not home. So. Right. Right. Um, but you know what? That's what makes it fun. You always somewhere different. And, uh, you know, maybe one of these days we'll do one international. We'll take our producer on a plane. Yeah. You and I will go somewhere crazy and then and do this where we're in the same place, but somewhere maybe exotic. Let's go somewhere crazy. I'm like ready to it. Maybe we'll get some suggestions. Maybe we'll put that in the, like a poll question comments. today. Put in the comments, where do you want Marty, Wendy, and our amazing producer, Eric, to travel to? And then, of course, we'll get that approved. Yes. Well, I think today, I mean, like you said, with you being obviously where you are, which is in Chicago, and then obviously at that point, too, talking about us, you know, being able to train different populations when you were talking about the sled and was like, you know, let's do a podcast on it. I thought it was an exceptional idea, um, you know, because Marty, you are very creative. But, um, you know, there's a lot of really good information and I'm excited to cover the advantages of sled pushes today on the Master Instructor Roundtable with Wendy Batts and Marty Miller. So, Marty, let's talk about the intro. What are we going to talk about? Let's talk um, about what we're going to talk about. Sled pushes, right? <laughs> so, of course, it, it's more than that. I think everybody that has been here with us before understands that we will do some of the cool, fun, Instagrammable things, but we won't do it if there's not science behind it. So this is where I thought the topic would be great because, you know, my, my career started out in sports performance and then I went back into sports performance and fitness in between. But the key thing is the sled push is designed for a reason. And I think some people use it not really knowing that. So we want to discuss that. Then we can talk a little bit about the different techniques and applications and then some programming ideas. And I think, too, we also get hung up, or I know that a lot of trainers that are new, when they hear about a sled push, they think only about, oh, you've got to play football or something where you're, you know, doing this particular sport. But really, a sled could be used for any type of population. It's just you need to have a good rationale of why are you doing it? What are you loading it for? You know, and and again, proper form. Mechanics are everything. And, you know, we, we obviously talk about ex triple extension, triple flexion. We're going to go into that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's uh, often overlooked for certain populations, and hopefully we can bring that out today on the why and for the who. So first and foremost, let's dig into the science of basically what is a sled push going to do from a resistance standpoint. So when you look at a sled, you have your starting weight. Now, I'm not worried about what the starting weight is, whether it's just the sled weight itself, whether it's, you know, I've seen athletes do a couple hundred pounds, doesn't matter that the beginning of the sled, you have to overcome the fact that there's that inertia. You have to get the weight moving. So there's gonna be a sharp increase in force production. Now, if you pick the appropriate weight, and we'll talk about a little bit of that later, there'll be a plateau. And then as you get momentum, there'll be a decrease in the force and then a steady application of force, assuming fatigue doesn't set in. So it's a sharp increase, kind of plateaus, and then there would be a decrease once fatigue sets in. So all the resistance is at the very beginning. The reason that this was designed from a sports performance standpoint is how quickly can I accelerate? How quickly can I get my body moving? And in sports, it's not who's the fastest all the time. It's who's the, the quickest at putting their foot into the ground 
in getting their force moving in a direction. So that's where sled pushing became very popular. And then, of course, there is a fitness component to it that we'll talk about as well. Yeah. And, you know, when you're thinking about a sled and you load it and like you said, Marty, it doesn't want the sled is going to be weighted. And even though you're not putting external load on it, to your point, you've got to be able to build that push. So you really need to have really good core strength. And, you know, when we start talking about positioning and everything, that's also very, very crucial. And, you know, when you're looking at the research, well, it makes sense. You really have to apply even more force to get it moving. And then, like you said, with that decrease, it's because you kind of have the momentum going. But then you're going to notice, too. And, and I think the, the key word you said there was distance, because then you start slowing down because then the people get tired. And so it's, you know, when you're looking at it, it's not just to me, something that I use for, like you said, the initial, you know, um, speed and acceleration from the start, but it's also longevity too, to build endurance and, and being able to, to do that without, you know, putting a vest on a weighted vest or something, just something different. But it, there are a lot of different, um, I think, key components of why you can use a sled as long as you're programming it correctly. Yeah, we'll jump into this back and forth during different slides. You know, we put these together. You never know where the conversation is going to go. But if you look at true sports performance, athletic populations, they don't push a sled as far as you might think. Because once they've elicited that peak force, that's all they're really trying to do. They'll do other techniques for, you know, after that. Now, it doesn't mean you can't push a sled for a distance. But understand, at that point, you're getting more into metabolic conditioning, calorie consumption, which is fine. But that's not what the sled was initially designed for. It was, can I create a tool where the athlete has to have proper form and technique, hopefully, to elicit <laughs> that sharp increase in power? And can we train that so it becomes easier for them to put their foot in the ground and go? So right. just understand that, that, you know, five to 15 yards may be enough if that's what you're looking for. But if you're pushing a sled 30 to 40 yards, we just have to look at other parameters just to make sure that when fatigue does start to set in, their technique is still good. Oh yeah. Short repeats. That's a good way to, to really um, burn a lot of calories, hire someone out. And and I think that's when we're talking about proper ideal and and looking at at the slide, you know, what is the goal? What are you trying to accomplish when you're bringing a sled into your programming? And like Marty said, I mean, it was designed for power development, the starting, you know, speed. So think about this. If you're a center on, you know, and you've got all the linemen there too, if you can push off, you also are going to have forces that are coming against you. But if you can get off the line or if you're running back and you get a head start before someone else and you can actually, you know, get past your man, if you will, that's guarding you, you're going to be able to get open and you're going to be able to take off and score. And so, you know, and that's just using football as an example. You know, think about sprinters out of the blocks. Think about everything. But it's also about your five kinetic chain checkpoints, you know, can you maintain proper alignment? Meaning that when you're pushing off, do you can see in the first picture, I mean, he's got really good triple extension on that back leg. So his first MTP joint has to have good range of motion. You really want to have really good range of motion in your ankles as well as your hips. And then on the front leg, you can see that he's, you know, when you're looking at the back leg and front leg, you're looking again for parallel lines. So when we talk so much about parallel lines, when you're squatting and talking about parallel lines, when you're taking off, if you can do that and you've got really good foot placement, you're minimizing the amount of muscles that shouldn't be working and maximizing the one to produce the greatest amount of power in the shortest amount of time, which means you're faster than anyone else from the initial go. And uh, I mean, Marty, I know that too, when you're looking at these pictures, especially when the, the guy doing the, um, you know, using the, the techno gym treadmill, I mean, there are so many different programs that you can do that also, if you don't have access to a 
you know, off the blocks on a track or a sled, I use the sled utilizing the, the, um, the treadmill with most of my clients because it's easier and we have that access to that. Yeah. And for those of you just joining us, regional master instructor, Marty Miller here with my great friend, fellow regional master instructor, Ms. Wendy Batts. And we are talking about the advantages of sled pushes. So when you go to these images, I would say, which one doesn't belong. And now when I say, which one doesn't belong, I'm saying for the true purpose of why a sled was designed. So when you look at the individual in the top left that Wendy talked about, great form. When you look at somebody at the top to the right with the individual on the skill run, he's got that great position. Now, I purposely put the one below him. <laughs> well, the one below, the so I'm looking bottom right. That is still correct. We're going to get to the bottom left in a second. But the bottom right can still be correct because he's doing a short arm sled push. But you're going to see the difference. If you look at the individuals on the top pictures, they have a forward shin angle, but it's closer to vertical. If you look at the individual on the bottom right, his shin angle is even lower, right, from, a, from the angle that is there. To really come out strong, you need a lower shin angle. So you can play around with the top position or the bottom position. But now let's look at the fourth picture, which I haven't addressed yet, right? So when we look at the bottom, will she burn calories? Will she become stronger? Yes. But at, what's the goal? Biomechanically, she's not in a mechanical advantage situation, right? Her hips aren't loaded. She's not in triple flexion, triple extension. So yes, you could still use that kind of sled. I'm not going to do that myself because I could put people in the other three positions and still look for metabolic conditioning and fatigue if I wanted to, but biomechanically, they are getting that triple flexion, triple extension. So all I wanted to show with these different pictures are, you know, why we do it, because you see the sprinter, the top position on the skill run, because that's a little bit, it's, it's forward shin angle, but a little more vertical. And then, or, and then the bottom one, you're seeing even more horizontal shin angle. Those are power positions for acceleration. And then our friend on the bottom left, that's just how far can I push this? And I don't care what I need to do to get it there. And that's more along the lines, like you said, that's probably more for distance too. Like this is what sometimes, and this is why it's important to realize, you know, and, and think about form and technique and purpose. Because, you know, like you said, if you're just trying to tire your client out, burn calories, and, you know, you're pushing, you start to see this a, a lot with, you know, different types of like boot camps or group training is, is people are just wanting to push heavy things around as fast as they can. Just be careful because, again, with the bottom left that Marty's talking about, too, you can start to see she's got an arch in her back. You know, you'll start to see sometimes head starts to drop. So compensations do start to occur. And when you're pushing that kind of load and that kind of weight, no matter what, how fast it's moving, because again, think about even when we do power, no matter how much we're trying to lift, if it's extremely heavy, you know, like doing like a phase five, you know, power superset, that weight isn't moving very fast, even though our body is trying to apply as maximum force to, to get it to move as fast as, as possible. Same thing goes with the lower body and utilizing a sled. What is the purpose, but also really be careful with someone's, um, you know, form and technique. Totally agree. So some other things we put in here, I kind of already touched on it. So why use a sled? You and I, Wendy, have talked about that many, if not the majority of things we see in fitness, they do start in the world of sports performance because the science is there. Everyone's always looking for an edge. So weighted sled was designed and used for different reasons and then adopted within fitness. And I will say this, you know, 
each and every time we talk about this, I love a sled because to me, it's probably one of the top or safest ways to apply force in the lower body. You're not running, you're not jumping. Not a lot of people can run and jump, but everyone can do a sled push because a sled push again can be on a curve. It could be a power walk sled push. It doesn't have to look as explosive as an NFL football player might do it. But I could have my mom in her 70s still do a sled push in that higher position. And it could be more like a marching walk, but she's learning to lean forward. She's learning to apply force into the ground. She's learning triple flexion, triple flexion. She's engaging her core because she has to, and we're going to coach her to lean forward. So it's fabulous. And there's no you know, need to run or jump. So I, I love it for that. And again, it's fun. It's a great way to burn calories as well. So overall, lower body explosive power, increased acceleration, top end speed, and great in, uh, cardiovascular conditioning tool. Yes. And today, Marty Miller and myself, Wendy Batts, are talking about advantages of the sled pushes on today's Master Instructor Roundtable. And Marty, I think it's really, you know, we've covered a lot of good information. And, and again, it's, it's not to not to reiterate everything that we've said so far, but there are so many advantages, um, especially mechanically in our body and the way that we produce force. But when you were talking about the different populations, you know, just recently I went and saw my dad and we were cleaning out a lot of different things. And, you know, it was interesting because he's in his eighties and his balance isn't that great. He's losing a lot of strength. So we're working out a lot of different ways. And there were some boxes that we were bringing down from the attic onto the floor and he had to put his hands on there and he was pushing the boxes in order to get them out of the way because, you know, it was extremely heavy for him to pick up some of the stuff we had to move to smaller boxes so we could actually move things around appropriately into the right places. And so another example of, of translating what we're talking about and biomechanics, how that can translate to everyday activities is he's sled pushing a box. You know, or someone needs to move a couch and they just like, you know, they can push it or, or something like that. So there are some things to think about when you're programming, especially with every type of population, because this biomechanically is something that we utilize in life. And it's if you really think about it now that you mentioned it, it's a transitional balance. Right. Mm -hmm. So we don't think about that if I do a sled push because it's not I don't feel that I need to focus on my balance. Right. It's not an issue. But for someone like my mom or your dad, if they're in the position like you're see that picture there, if they're holding on the sled, every time they pick up their foot and they're applying force into it, they may lose their balance slightly. But that's a great way to teach them a transitional balance movement while they repeat that cycle and put their leg into the ground. So we may overlook that when we do it. But for somebody that's at that level and at that age. This could be tremendous for them from that standpoint as well. Yeah. And core strength. I mean, guys, you know how like when you've got straight arms and you're pushing, you have to engage your core or you start to arch your back. And so, you know, when you're looking at applications, just keep that in mind. And that's one of the things we're always going to teach good movement patterns so that we're teaching our brains and we're translating things over into what we're doing. Um, it's going to know how to do it if we're training it the right way. So that's why I love sled pushes. I'm telling you. You know, the little thing sometimes, you know, and when you think about this too, you know, when we're looking at this weighted sled, this is pretty heavy. And so when you're thinking about the weighted sled, it's gained a ton of popularity. You're going to see it in a lot of the HIT classes. You know, I see a lot with, with, you know, our, some of my youth guys are coming back in, they're, you know, getting back into sport. And so we're kind of just, you know, realigning the body and working on corrective exercises and everything. And, you know, the focus for, for them is power output, but then also when you're looking at classes, 
what they're caring about at that point is that's more to me, I look at it as how heavy and the distance. So I look at that more as metabolic conditioning versus like you said, in the very beginning of what the initial intent was, which like you said, Marty, it may be, you know, five, 10 yards and it's as fast as you can. It's really trying to get good mechanics, staying low, getting up, doing, you know, having that lean. So you can use it in a, a variety of ways, but to Marty's point, why and what is your population? And then how is that going to translate accordingly? Yeah, and I think one takeaway that I don't see people doing when they're doing sled pushes is I, I love data. I, the more data I can get, the more I can be specific with the programming, knowing whether they're peaking, whether they're fatiguing, whether they're gaining. So I have the advantage of using the skill run, which allows me to see the top speed, what yardage I got the speed, and then my power output. Okay, that is not everyone's going to have access to that. But what you could do in a sled push, if you have point A to point B, you could still do a stopwatch, right? Mm -hmm. So I should be able, let's say the, the distance is 15 yards. I should be able to cover that distance in six seconds. Well, if I cover that distance in four seconds, I just took a third of the time off. My power had to go up. Now, you're not going to be able to quantify it like on a skill run. That, that doesn't matter. But you now have another data point. You didn't just have them push it from one line to one line you had the same weight and you're timing them. And then maybe what you do is a fatigue test. Hey, as soon as you get 25% over your known kind of average, you're fatigued. Yeah, I can still have you do it. But now instead of going down from six seconds to five, then the fours, maybe back to five, you're at seven and a half, game over. Because right. now I'm just doing it for the sake of doing it. And then we know when fatigue sets in, form and technique have to go out. So just adding even a stopwatch will give you even more to do with that sled than just say, push the sled. Well, and I was, you know, honestly, you know, I, I use the sled in a variety of ways. Like you said, Marty, you know, I do try to make sure, especially with my track and field guys, you know, I, I really work on that off the blocks, push off. We, you know, we do the start stop, but sometimes even with like, let's say my basketball players, I'll do it more for conditioning because it is the time on the court and they're having to push people, block people. And they're constantly, you know, they're getting boxed in and they have to figure out ways against weighted big guys to get to the goal. And so sometimes when on the programming side, depending on the day and what we're doing, and like I said, it depends on the sport, I will do it, you know, heavier weight, longer distance, and they have a set time. And I make sure each and every time that that time is to go down. So they're, they're, you know, giving them, we're giving me all they got because they don't know if I'm going to have them do it once or twice or three times. However, if I mix it all up and they give me a really bad time, I make them do it again. But if, you know, they're actually seeing progressions themselves and then they, because they're competitive, they want to beat their score each and every time. And so it's actually fun. It's a huge game and they're, they're gassed. And if you guys have never truly done a sled with proper form, you know, loaded it and then gone a distance because you've always just worked on that power from the start, just challenge yourself first. So you can see metabolically how hard it can be. And, and if you have really competitive um, clients, sometimes it's fun to, to program it that way as well. Yeah, I love it. And then depending on what you're doing, you could always figure out what their weight that they can push in a time. And you could divide that by their body weight and figure out what you know, they're producing per pound of body weight. So you could graph that over time, or you could have a competition saying, Hey, can you get over two pounds, you know, of push per pound of body weight? There's a lot of things you can do. That's why if you know what the purpose is, know what you're trying to accomplish, what phase of training, and then you grab a little extra data, you can really then take it to another level.
Mm -hmm. And on the Master Instructor Roundtable today, myself, Wendy Batts, and Marty Miller are talking about the advantages of sled pulls. And so, you know, we've talked about my, my old man and how we've got to push boxes. And we've talked about, you know, professional athletes taking it, you know, getting them off the blocks in a short distance, as well metabolically, what we can do over time. So now we're going to start to get a little bit into the data. You know, when we're looking at, you know, just in the industry, what we're seeing very commonly are loaded squat or loaded sleds, excuse me, with maximum amount of weight. And they're just having the individual push. And so it's fun when you get these teams in there and you're trying to push your teammates around and see who can do it and who gets winded first. And, and it's a big game. It's fun. But, you know, again, what is the outcome that you're trying to, you know, get out of that? You're building strength. Yes, you're working, you know, your cardio wise, you're working, um, you're working on that as well, um, as well as obviously triple extension and flexion, but watch the form. And one of the issues that we commonly see, though, is that you're going to see a marked decrease in the speed at which an individual can move that sled. And it's drastically going to change someone's technique. And so it's very important. And Marty and I talk about the five kinetic chain checkpoints. Again, feet straight, you know, knees in line, hips in a good position, you know, and, and obviously shoulders and head in good positions, working on if you're pushing something, triple extension, triple, triple flexion, looking for good, you know, alignment. Because if you start to see something bad, then that can actually increase bad patterning in the brain, which I mentioned earlier, as well as mechanics. And so super, super important. So you have to be able as a trainer or a coach or whatever it is that you're doing, you have to find that balance between what's the right amount of load, what is the purpose? And then at that point too, make sure that you've got, you know, a, a good resistance level that somebody can do it correctly each and every time. Yeah. And if the goal is to truly increase someone's power, you're going to see here probably in the next slide or so. So if we want to move forward, our force velocity curve, because there is a point where if you look at the force velocity curve, force equals mass times acceleration. So if you want to increase force, you have to have a certain level of mass, but you also have to have a certain level of acceleration. Too much mass means not enough acceleration. Not enough mass means too much acceleration. And you miss that kind of sweet spot. So we'll move forward here off of this slide and we'll, you know, we'll continue to talk about that. So that's where, again, you know, we're going to go through some research first. Is, is the goal just to burn calories? Is the goal metabolic conditioning or is the goal to produce maximum power? But, you know, Wendy, you and I both, if we don't have science to back it up, it's hard for us to justify it. So I figured I'd pull one in here. There's, there's countless. But, you know, the sled push stimulates and potentiates subsequent 20-meter sprint performance. Okay, not surprising. So when they did the study, it was to examine, you know, there was potentiating effects of a performance of a single sprint style sled push on unresisted 20 minute, 20 meter, not 20 minute, 20 meter sprint <laughs> performance. That would not be fun. A 20 minute That would sprint. not be really a sprint, I don't think, but. Uh... <laughs> I would say not. So we'd have thrown that study out, but you can see here, they had very specific training parameters four to 12 minutes followed by sled push low with 75% of their body mass. And it impaired after 125% of the body mass slide and the results of great uh, importance for coaches seeking to see, you know, where the sled push falls into that training. So there's tons of research out there. This was just one that I grabbed from 2016. So it's still relevant, but this, like I said, this has been validated. This has been studied. Sled pushes will absolutely increase your performance. Obviously form and technique will increase it to a whole nother level. But Wendy, like I said, I'm, I purposely, I will use it for the metabolic conditioning as well. 
Yeah. I mean, so many different variations. And again, you know, there's, you can be creative with it. You can use, you know, you can do, you know, single arm, you know, doing, you know, sidewalks with, you know, so frontal plane motions. I mean, there's a lot of different things that you can do. And again, there's different sleds. We talked about the, you know, the um, Barrow sled that's out there now too, where, you know, they're working on grip strength and working on different ways. I mean, there's a lot of different things and different types of sleds. And, and like you said, with the treadmills that, you know, that, I, I know Techno Gym, you know, has, and you can program utilizing a sled or a parachute or whatever it is, depending on what programming you're using, you get a lot of really good information. But again, it is use it as an assessment too, because you're going to see over time, especially if you are working with professional athletes, what is it that you're trying to achieve? If it's off the blocks, you want to make sure that they are more powerful and that they um, can get off, you know, out of those blocks even faster from the time they came in to the time that they leave to show that you actually are helping them, you know, in programming them correctly. Same thing with your, you know, my basketball players. I want to see that their time's decreasing, that they have better conditioning before they leave to go back into the season. Um, and it's one of the things they hate. You know, Marty, we've interviewed one of my professional uh, basketball players um, and he hates the slit, but we know what we do it and he appreciates it. It's a love hate. Free. It's a love hate relationship. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's a hate, love, hate relationship, but there's a little bit of love in there. You know what? The outcome when he gets back on that court, he's right. in money. That's and exactly. you know what? It's then he loves me. During exactly. it, I don't, again, he doesn't pay me to like him. He pays me to train, to train him and get him ready for the season. So. <laughs> so for those of you just jumping in, Marty Miller here with Wendy Bats on the Master Instructor Roundtable. And we are talking everything about sled pushes and the advantages of why you should consider maybe putting it into your program. So finished up with that research. So we'll move forward here. And this says I was Here's talking your about curve, shocking is the force velocity curve. So we can also talk about how you can use the sled throughout all phases of training stabilization. Wendy, I'll do a lot of one arm sled pushes for counter rotation mm -hmm. and a very slow methodical walk. And when they bring that foot up, they have to hold it. Then they have to put it back down. So it can still fit in stabilization strength. We've talked about, maybe you'll put a little more weight on there and, you know, maybe slow down the uh, pace a little bit and then power. You're going to try to hit that sweet spot of the right amount of weight so they can have maximum force production. So don't think of sled as one phase of training. So when you look here at the, the slide, we've done this on another master tractor roundtable. that maximum strength, you're going to have less velocity, maximum speed. You're going to have less force, but the sweet spot in there is at that strength speed or speed strength where there's load still with acceleration. Mm -hmm. So use the curve, use all parts of it, just like you use all parts of the model. We're not saying one is better than the other. Just have an understanding of maybe what would be the beginner to intermediate to advance. And at the end of the day, what am I trying to accomplish? Max strength, metabolic conditioning, or max power. That way you know how to load the sled appropriately for your clientele. Great slide, Marty. One of my favorites, I will say. And then, but as we've talked about throughout this entire webinar is you have to be safe and just remember it doesn't, you don't look at it as age. We've always talked about, you know, age is just a number. It's what is the programming? What are their outcome? You know, what are their goals? Their smart goals? What are they able to do and make sure that you get someone prepared to do sled pushes if you're going to put it and program it into their workout for that particular day or week or whatever, you know, phase of training they're in. As Marty just said, you can use it in all five phases. 
And, you know, I love the little guy that's right here um, on, on awesome. the bottom. Uh, yeah, on the right side, because this was my child, by the way. He loves to go on, you know, into the gym and he loves to, to, to get on that treadmill and push. How much can he push? How fast can he go? And he's so excited. It's a lot of fun. And so that's one thing about the sled is you make it as fun as you want it to be. And, um, you know, like I said, it could be a love hate relationship or, you know, but, but there is an outcome. Just right. And in the, you know, I think it's great that we start training this type of training early on in youth more than just maybe putting a bar on their back. That's a whole nother conversation, but also for the senior, mm. when you look at, right, hmm, when you look at, a senior, they're going to lose their power before they're going to lose their strength and their uh, endurance. So it's so crucial for them to have some level of power, what's safe to them. So going back to my rules of fitness, do no harm, give them what they want, when they give them what they need, and then have fun. A sled covers all three of those because a sled, if you're right, you got to earn the right to even do a sled in the stabilization phase, but that's a great way to teach people triple flexion, triple extension, but it can be non-invasive unloaded, just movement patterning, very light, then even just a little bit of, of load, their foot is always, one foot is always in contact with the ground. They're not running. They're not jumping. It's a great way for them to develop metabolic conditioning, core stability and strength, upper body coordination as well. But then also that lower body power that they urgently need as people age. It's, so it's to me, a sled is going to be around for a long time in my life. I'm not at that point where it's <laughs> Right. But you know, you get my point, Wendy. So you're saying you get what you train for. So I think right. that's called the, you know, said principle. So those of you guys that have gone through our textbook and our content know how important it is to train in all three planes of motion, utilizing different ways, make sure that you're training different loads, different tempos. Think about the acute variables, make sure it makes sense. Make sure the five kinetic chain checkpoints are dialed and have a rationale for your choices. So that's, basically well my key takeaways. And I know that's what's coming up. Hey, now. what do you know? <laughs> I think we covered the why, right? I think we yes. covered that pretty well. Form and technique, not shocking. If Wendy and I are talking about anything, it that somehow comes up and assessments. But with this one, we just want the form and technique. Safe and effective and having fun. So I highly recommend that people, again, you're your first client. Try out the techniques yourself. Try the different phases. Try different versions of it. Just understand if you're flexed at 90 degrees at the hip, you can do that, but it's biomechanically maybe a little more challenging on the low back, but doesn't mean you can't do it. And from there, I think it's a great opportunity to bring something new into your clients and your own training if you have not used it yet. Yeah. And think about this with that comment of the 90 degree, Marty, and sorry to kind of step no, back please. for a second. If you're bent at 90 degrees, think about reciprocal inhibition is one muscle shortening, the other one has to lengthen. And if you're thinking about shortening the hip flexors, because you're, you're bent at 90, you're not getting maximal output from the glutes, which again is a power producer, especially in sprints and running mechanics. And so what is the purpose? Make sure that the technique is there and make sure that you're activating or utilizing the right muscles that you're trying to target when you're doing some of these movement patterns, because you can, with certain positionings, decrease activation to some of the prime movers that should be fully engaged when producing, especially utilizing a sled. And that's where, because everything you said, a lot of people make that sled push almost a little bit upper body focused. Yes, so. indeed. So if you want to contact me, how about this? You can email me at wendy.bats at nasm.org. You can always find me on Instagram at wendy.bats13. And as a follow up here, here comes my information. 
dr.martymiller72 on Instagram and my email, marty.miller at nasm.org. And if you just joined us, go back to the beginning because we're going to ask you because we're going to put in a crazy request to headquarters to send us somewhere globally. And our producer, Eric, who's a big fan of that, we just want to know maybe we'll go somewhere and do a podcast from overseas. So I had to throw that back in in case someone joined in late. <laughs> but with that being said, Wendy, it's always a pleasure. I, uh, thank you for uh, you know helping me with this topic. And we cannot thank everyone enough. And we look forward to seeing you all next week on the Master Instructor Roundtable.